Hi, my name is John Freeman. I'm the editor of Granta Magazine, and it's a huge pleasure to have with me here Tan Tuan Eng, who is here in Britain for the Booker Prize. His first novel, The Gift of Rain, was longlisted for the Man Booker, and his second, The Garden of Evening Mists, is now on the shortlist. The winner will be announced Tuesday. Tan, how are you feeling on the eve of, of this big announcement? Very excited. Uh, but trying to keep a level head about everything and just going about meeting bookshops, bookshop uh, booksellers and, and, and readers and just talking to them. I'm very curious about the relationship between these two books. Um, both are set in Malaysia. Both um, have to do to some degree with the uh, Japanese invasion of Malaysia during World War II or the occupation. Um, they uh, seem to be writing a kind of alternate history, a human history of that time. Um, I wonder if you can talk about your background growing up in Penang and, and why you feel compelled as a, as a novelist to tell these stories and if they are in fact linked or if you see these books as very separate. Well, I grew up, I was born in Penang and I stayed there until I was, I was about five or six years old. And after that, my family moved down to Kuala Lumpur. I only discovered what a special place Penang is when we moved back there again when I was about 12 years old. And I started exploring the streets and, and the history of the island and I found that it's a, it's a very evocative, atmospheric island. And since then I've, uh, I've started reading up about uh, Malaysian history, Malayan and Malaysian history and it's fascinating because as it's there's so many uh, there's so many communities there. All the uh, histories overlap. You've got Malays, Chinese, Indians, and you have the colonial British history overlapping all of those as well. So it's a it's a very fascinating mix. Yeah. And in this book, um, you have African uh, men who've come, um, you know, nursing wounds from the Boer Wars and 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 stay. Um, are, is there still roots of South, Af South Africans? Are, are there still South African people in Malaysia who can trace their history back that far? No, uh, I don't think that there's any South African Boers in, in Malaya during that time. It was uh, Magnus Pretorius was wholly my invention. But what I found fascinating was that on on the, in, in the town of Malacca. And in a church on a hill, you can find the, the gravestone of Jan van Riebeck, and he was the founder, the European founder of Cape Town. So there are these links again from the, the, between these two countries that are so far apart in, in terms of distance, and that's, that I found fascinating. Let me set this up a little bit. So the, the Garden of Evening Mist is concerned primarily um, with a, a Chinese Straits woman who grew up in Malaya, um, who is in a Japanese internment camp, uh, a, a POW camp, um, which is in Malaya during the, during the war. She gets out. She's the only survivor, um, and she is a, she's an attorney. She's a lawyer, and she spends her, the first period out of the camp prosecuting Japanese war criminals. And then she goes to this tea plantation run by a, a, um, a, a Magnus Pretorius, who's um, South African, and he suggests she um, deals with her grief, honors her sister by having uh, a garden designed for her. But the gardener who's working for him, who's, who's not working for him, who's living with him, 
um, is Japanese and was Hirohoto's um, gardener. Yes, he was. And so I wonder, in, in setting this up, um, my, my question to you is, do, do these histories come to you before you, you feel the character? Or do you feel a character and then you wonder what, what their past is and then you start writing into them? Well, I usually begin with, with two characters. And in this case, I, I started with Yunling, who's the main character. She, I had a picture of her and I started digging into her past. And after that, I started creating characters around her for her to, to interact with. And with each character, I had to, to come up with, with a backstory for them as well. And that's when the, the research started to overlap. And it's, it just grew from there. It reminds me of the relationship in your first book, where you have a, a Chinese-British man um, in a relationship with a, uh, a Japanese Aikido instructor. And in this case, you have Yunling um, in a relation, uh, uh, in, in a sort of apprenticeship. Um, she goes to um, the gardener and uh, Nakamura, um, who says, um, "I will not design a garden for you for your sister," which is an incredible thing, considering that she's already breaking a boundary of her own hostility to ask anything of a Japanese man. But he says, "I will teach you." Um, and and what do you find in that relationship of teaching teacher student that um, like, compels you to come back to it? Well, it's uh, I, I did Aikido for ten years, and I've always been I've always wondered at the the strength of the bond between the teacher and the students. We we are taught to just obey, don't question anything, just follow what the teacher does or what the teacher shows you, and don't ask questions. So I wanted to explore that, that sort of relationship outside the, uh, the, the the training hall and see where, to what extent, those bonds can be broken or stretched. Um, in, th in this case, there's there's a a, a bond um, that that goes beyond the typical bond, um, and there's sort of vibrations of um, I don't want to say uh, sadism, but um, there there is a limit to which um, this relationship stretches, which is fascinating, because the the kind of gardening that um, Nakamura does um, is is also practiced on the human body. Um, and did, is this an actual condition where Japanese gardeners who were practicing their art were sought out to also do tattoos? No, it's it's not. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted a way for the two characters to be more bound together, more strongly. And it's something which, um, you know, he's, it's, a, it's a legacy which the gardener leaves her. Not just, not just what he's shown her in, in terms of designing or creating a garden, but which, which is something he marks her, literally and figuratively. The, the book is full of garden, uh, these terms, um, which I'm, I'm assuming come out of the text which they're reading about Japanese gardening. Um, but one of my favorite, it comes in quite early, is called uh, The Art of Borrowed Scenery. Oh, yes, that's the uh, shake, they call it in yeah. Japanese. Yes. Uh, which is, is, why don't you explain what it is? Well, it's one of the main principles in Japanese gardening in which a master gardener will make use of the 
the mountains in the distance or the your neighbor's tree line to and, and incorporate these features into the garden he's designing. So you can have a very small patch of land, but somehow it feels larger because he's brought in the mountains. He's, he's made them part of your garden. Uh, and it's I found it fascinating when I was writing it, writing that book, how much shake can apply to creative writing as well. Well, it also seems to apply to their relationships. Um, Nakamura, Eritomo, and, and Yan Ning um, are people defined um, by... by Well, their lives have been marked heavily by things nations have done, the states that they live in have done. Um, and in some ways, they could spend the rest of their lives living out um, uh, their trauma. And and it seems like what you're one of the metaphors for this book is that um, living uh, in the, in the shadow of what states do requires a kind of art of borrowed scenery. Yes, it's uh, in in their case it's more uh, distinct because of what they had gone through. But all of us, even today, we all we all part of somebody else's borrowed scenery. We 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 borrow from the things we read, we, we from the music we listen to, the smells we we smell, and we borrow from our memories and even other people's memories. You borrow from your 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 wife's memories, and it builds this environment, this which we move through every day. So all our, our lives are are surrounded by borrowed scenery. This the characters in this book, all of them have. Um are richly colonially ironic. Um, Magnus is is he's living on a tea plantation, um, selling back tea to the British um, that has been, um, in some ways, uh, passed down to him or through Chinese monks. Is that uh, correct? No, that was something that, he discovered on his travels. Okay, uh, but the, uh, the 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 culture of growing tea, I suppose, was, was started by. Um, China thousands of years ago, and then India also had uh, has a tea growing culture. Uh, it's uh, again, it's it's this. You know, we think globalization has been only occurring recently, but it's been happening for as long as there have been borders drawn up between countries. Well, in in one of the scenes, the High Commissioner comes to the plantation um, for a look around, and Magnus has great fun. Poking fun of him by saying, "You know, you had you had two wars with China just so that you could sell them opium." opium. And I, I, reading this, it reminds me of, an, of a, another recent Booker finalist um, by the the, uh, the Indian writer Amitabh Ghosh. Oh, yes. um, uh, um, sea of poppies and river of smoke. Well, I, I I like these books because it, like you said, it does um, remind us that globalization has been uh, been with us for quite quite some Since, time. Yes. Yeah, and it it's been. It, w- it seems like what, what a book like this does because it's so beautifully written and you get to know the characters very well as it reminds that the, those boundaries drawn up are, 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 in, are still very arbitrary. That the, you know, it, it, in this book you, you, you have a great deal of history in it about the, the, the Japanese gardening uh, came to the Japanese through from, the Chinese. From, from the Chinese as well, yes. And, and tea has come to the British through the Chinese, through mm. the Indians. and Yes, so it's uh, we've all been borrowing each from each other. Again, the, the, whole, the whole thing of uh, we borrow from here, we borrow from there, and we adapt and improve on, on these things which we borrow. 
the, you know, as uh, as an American reading this book, um, you know, the, the the American myth and the American project often, um, you know, it has to some degree believes that that uh, to become an American you become sort of part of this thing, and so you lose some of your constituent parts. And I wonder if you can talk about um, cultural differences as a Malaysian, because in this book, you those differences are never sanded down. Not that they are in other American books, but it means that the characters are always, in some ways, telling and correcting history as they talk to each other. Well, it's it's uh, for Malaysians, we. It's very much a, a, a cultural melting pot, but we're st we've still kept our own uh, uh, culture and, and, and traits. So it, ha it hasn't really become... We haven't really merged into a single uh, culture. But there have, there have been overlaps, and I think that's, that's how people want it naturally you don't have to force there's no forcing of anything it, it, if, if things uh, overlap or progress it, it's natural it's a natural process and I think that's the, the more effective way of, of uh, creating harmony mm. than to have laws or, or, or regulations saying you must have uh, you must mix you must do this you must do that to, to, to have this uh, singular national identity what we have at the moment works. Uh, everyone appreciates the other cultures and communities, but we still keep our own identity, and that's. I think it's a uh, it's a good thing. You, you uh, divide your time between Kuala Lumpur and and, and South Africa. Um, well, how has this book been received in Malaysia? Um, quite well, I have to say. Uh, it's they. Malaysians have enjoyed the book, but they do complain. I think that I've explained too much. I've given too much background detail, uh, historical details, mm. and they feel that it's not. It's just uh, not necessary. But you know, I'm not just writing for a, a Malaysian readership, but uh, a worldwide readership. So I've tried to find a balance. You know, and to set the context for non-Malaysian readers, so that they can still uh, understand the story and, and, and um, appreciate the, the nuances. Mm. Wait, um, tell, talk to me about your your background. You were a, an intellectual property lawyer, lawyer. Uh, intellectual lawyer. In, uh, lawyer. <laughs> I was both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, intellectual property lawyer. I did uh, copyright and trademarks. And are you still practicing, or are you writing full-time? I'm writing full-time. Uh, one of the nicest uh, days of my life was uh, walking into my boss's office and telling her that uh, I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you um, uh, had, had just published your first book, or were you just about to go off and write it? Uh, when I had just published my first book. It took a long time for... Uh, for my first book to get to find a publisher, I think it took about a year and a half. Uh, so I decided to go back to practice and, uh, and and work. And when my agent finally found a publisher, uh, 
and told me about it, and it was, just, it was a wonderful day. So you can read your own contracts, I assume. I do, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like, though, um, as a intellectual property law and, and copyright law, um, is fascinating, but it um, it is very different from writing fiction. And did you feel like you had sort of another life while you were doing this, a sort of secret life, or did everyone know that you were beavering no. away at some cafe? Or no, no I, I I told one or two friends and, and sworn them to secrecy, uh, but I didn't tell anyone. And it's it's uh, it's something which I feel quite strongly about that. If you're writing a book, you should just write it and get it done instead of going around telling people I'm writing a book oh I'm writing a book it's it takes it's like letting the genie out of the bottle well, it's, it dissipates the energy and um, after a while you start believing that okay you are writing a book when you're actually going out to parties and telling people <laughs> you're writing a book <laughs> that's why we have parties it's basically it's a, it's a procrastination <laughs> yes. enabling yes. device for, for writers um, I just wanted to get the book finished and, and you know it's, it's again if, you, if you're baking a cake you don't tell go around telling people oh, I'm baking a cake you, you want to show them the cake at the end of it and say how does it taste this this book um, is is very beautiful I mean the prose is uh, is quite lyrical and um, there has to be I, I at some point stopped writing them down but about 20 different ways of describing um, mist and rain <laughs> which I think you've you've set yourself quite a high task by in in, in this in the last book in this book um, because you, you you really um, touch the surface of the tangible world in a in a poetic way and it made me wonder if you started writing poetry before you wrote fiction no and uh, I hardly read any poetry because um, I could never understand the poems and when I read they're all degenerates them. anyway <laughs> <laughs> and I would go what, what is he trying to say it's the the poetic aspect comes from the fact that I opened my eyes to the natural world around me because I've been going back and forth to South Africa and they're very much aware of nature my friends there are very much into nature, into going out to the mountains and into uh, um, uh, camping on, uh, in, in national parks. That's taught me to be more aware of the world around me and I wanted to bring that awareness into the book. Well, it's, that's interesting you put it this, that way because um, Yunling, over the course of the book, is meant is is instructed by Nakamura Oritomo to um, to look and to watch and to pay attention and to close her eyes and and so the, the the arc of the book is her coming to a kind of mindfulness. That's right. That's yes. That's uh, that's her her, uh, her own growth uh, because she was I think she was very much uh, a, a city a city girl as well when 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 the book begins. And it's only through uh, <coughs> her time spent with Aritoma that she becomes more appreciative of the natural world. And she also lets go of anger. Not completely. No, no, no yeah, it's yes, not a. Uh, this is uh, not uh, kumbaya. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's. Um, she's she, calmer. But she's she's calmer. still angry, but she's calmer. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, she's lost a sister and two yes. fingers to yeah. to the to, the, Japanese, to yeah. the Japanese. She's not about to. Yeah. Um, but it's, it it does feel in some ways a novel about forgiveness. You can be angry and forgive. I think you can because we, we uh, human beings are complex, and I I find it very hard sometimes to 
believe that there can be total forgiveness when something horrible has been done to you. I, mean, I certainly, I don't think I can forgive completely if, if uh, something very bad was done to me. I would be so angry. Uh, and but to 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 forgive that the person who did it to you and hundred uh, uh, percent, it takes a lot, and I don't think many of us have that. Well, and it, it, the novel seems to ask a question about you know um, h how can can memory and forgiveness coexist, and and as as at one point does memory become a kind of grudge? It's it's a I think it shifts the the, the ratio. It depends on the person. You know, sometimes you try to forget so that there's more space for for forgiveness. Forgetting is difficult as well. It's not. It's not something you can say. Oh, I've I've gone on the Oprah Winfrey show and then <laughs> I've forgotten and forgiven. It's uh, well. This. Is, I mean, in this in this book, um, there are different ways of me memorializing and and how to. And I guess the other question I I kept asking, or I, I kept wondering if the book was asking me was, um, if we inscribe the, the past as a way of memorializing it. Do we do we taint the present world? You know, if you tattoo yourself with memories of the past, if you if if you make too many memorials to what's happened before, do you do you limit the possibilities of the present world? Well, I don't think so because these memorials are open to interpretation as well by the people today. So each person again will bring his own views to the the, the symbol of the memory. Mm. I think it's important that these symbols are there for people to interpret them in their various ways, and that's that that makes for interesting uh, uh, reading and writing as well. The way different writers approach these symbols. Do you feel? Um, I mean, you're roughly forty. Forty, precisely pre forty. <laughs> oh, welcome. <laughs> well, welcome to middle age. <laughs> Not yet. No, you're still young. Actually, we have a best young novelist issue, and we call uh. those people. Forty and under is young, so you're right on the you're you're on the G part of young, oh. <laughs> clinging. Um, anyway, that's a di digression. But the, I, uh, do you feel as as someone? Obviously, this is it's the elements of this book are a long time away from you, um, possibly even from your own parents. Um, do you? F how do you feel creating a, a kind of meditation on or an active memory? About events that are that are far away from you, do you do you feel a great deal of responsibility in a way? With yes, this I do. I do in terms of that. Uh, in terms of being accurate to the fact, to the facts, because there's again the my legal background insists that I be uh, completely accurate. Uh, but then there's the the novelist in me, which which is fighting that and says you you have to uh, let go of the fact and just tell the story. So there's always this constant uh, fight going on. Mm. I want to ask you one last question. Um, the, the garden uh, in the book takes its name from a, um, the, the, the tale of Genji. Ta tale of Genji. Yes. Um, do you want to unpack that um, connection? Well, it, it's supposedly one of the, the earliest, if not the first, full-length novel ever written. Uh, and there's uh, there's just so much in there that I, you know, I, c I haven't even finished reading it. 
it's well, it's, yes, it's, it's two uh, volumes it's, and yes. rather large. So you <laughs> rather large. <laughs> but I came across this character's name, and it was very evocative. And I was looking for a name for my garden, uh, and it just worked. Just came like that. I wondered if you know uh, a lot of us here, um, and prop, you know, I know there that we are overlooking a great deal of the past, but are are looking at your novels as as sort of the the birth of a modern Malaysian literature. Is, is that an overstated um, idea, uh, or uh, are, are, are you conscious of wanting to, um, to do that? I think it's an overstated idea, because uh, I don't consciously write as a Malaysian. I, mean, I write as a writer, and uh, I'm, I don't set out, I don't write with an agenda or, 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 or with any political uh, goals I just want to write my book mm. <laughs> so there's I wouldn't call I wouldn't call it the uh, this the birth of modern Malaysian writing there are a lot of Malaysian writers writing in Malaysia at the moment um, and in fact Granta should do a, a, a compilation on, on them oh, uh, so I think that means I have to go to Penang and eat some of the food you oh, describe in this you piece. Poor thing. <laughs> 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 so it's uh, no, I, I won't. I won't say that I'm, I'm part of the, the birth of anything. It's it's, it's the birth know. of our awareness of it. Your, yes, maybe uh, uh, the awareness of non-Malaysian readers. Yes, mm. and, and I have to say the the Booker Prize has helped tremendously. Well, yeah. I wish you. Um, the best of luck uh, Tuesday. It, the, oh, the book is called The Garden of Evening Mists. Um, you can read Tan Tuan Ang's piece about um, street food in Penang on Granta.com, and you can go there to subscribe to Granta. It is a extraordinary book, um, and I hope you get a chance to read it. Tan, thank you for coming into the oh, thank office. You. Thank you, John. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Granta. <laughs>